Good morning, Rivertown Community Church. We are so glad to have all of you joining us, whether you're joining us from Bluntstown, Chipley, Wakala, or Mariana. This is a fantastic Sunday for you to be here. Because see, this morning, we're finishing up our series entitled, Helping the Next Gen Win. And if you've been with us over the past three weeks, you've noticed that I might be a little bit passionate about this subject. In fact, if you were here for week one, you might, might remember that I got so passionate about introducing the topic that we didn't even get through the whole message, and so we had to revisit it the next week. Well, if I'm really honest, I think a lot of that passion for this series has to do not just with watching my children grow up and, and being a parent of three wonderful young adults right now and, and looking at what we experienced through that, but it has a lot to do with this week's message. See, about five years ago, I was attending a conference in Atlanta, and a speaker by the name of Dr. Tim Elmore, he did a session about the content that you're going to hear this morning. In fact, maybe some of you, you heard of Dr. Tim Elmore already, because he is like an expert on the next gen, and has written up like something like 30-something books. Well, the session in Atlanta, it was focused on some of what he had discovered and was learning about the next generation while he was writing books like Generation IY and 12 Mistakes That Parents Make. And let me just say, I was blown away at what he was teaching. And then last year at North Point Community Church in in Atlanta, Georgia, Clay Scroggins, he interviewed Tim Elmore about the same content that he had shared in in the conference. And since we are a North Point strategic partner, they shared that content with us. So this morning, we're going to get to listen in on a conversation that Clay was with where he interviewed Dr. Tim Elmore that I pray and hope will blow you away the same way that it blew me away. Because here's the deal. If we let this content, if we let the ideas that he talks about, if we let it get in our hearts and and change our mindset, it could set up the next generation to win in a way that we've never seen previously. So this morning, I'd like to invite you to lean in and listen to Dr. Tim Elmore. Dr. Tim. Tim is, um, he's church famous. This is what I mean by that. You go to most churches in America and you use, you drop the name Tim Elmore 
And they not only know who he is, but they will try to send messages and say, can I get a picture? Can I get his autograph? Things like that. He's church famous. So um, some of you are famous for other reasons. I, I am as well in really uh, small circles, but in big circles, <laughs> Tim is really, really famous. So um, Tim, you've dedicated your whole life, honestly, um, at least your whole working life, it seems, to helping the next gen win. Um, give us just a little background on you. Um, you're, you've been married for a long time. 35 years. 35 years. That's phenomenal. Uh, you, one person clap. Okay. Um, Thank you. It wasn't your wife. That Thanks, was mom. Thanks, mom. Um, it was your mom. <laughs> and you got two kids. Um, yep. but, but you have done an amazing job. You really created an organization, and it's all about helping the next gen win. So tell us yeah. about that. Well, I started teaching students in 1979, so many, many moons ago. I feel like I've seen three generations come through the pike, mm-hmm. if not four. And all through my career, I have just fallen more and more in love with equipping the emerging generation. I think things are different today. We'll talk about that yeah. in just a minute. But um, absolutely love kids, um, have loved giving my life to them. Yeah. Um, let, let me just, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this. But whenever I asked him, uh, whenever I see him, I say, hey, where have you been lately? Because he's always going to places. And you have a unique niche with um, athletics, with sports. Uh, yeah. Major League Baseball, yeah. you, you uh, have done a lot of coaching, a lot of speaking for Six, seven, eight yeah. major league teams. Yeah, Kansas City Royals, San Francisco Giants, Pittsburgh Pirates. Worked a little with the Braves. We need to work a little more with the Braves. <laughs> uh, hey, we're getting there. We got the best AAA team in the major leagues. Uh, anyway, um, and then yeah, with the NFL, we're with the NFL and the NBA. We, uh, Houston Rockets just started working with us. And, and, a, yeah. and a bunch of uh, universities, yeah. college athletes, which is remarkable. But yeah. and all of it's around this idea of helping the next gen win. So why don't we do this? Why don't we start and just give us a um, there, there's a there's a graphic that's in Generation IY that yeah. really talks about the generations. I thought it was a great lay of the land, great context for some of the generations that have come before, some that are for a lot of us are coming after. Um, introduce that to us. Yeah. If you would. Well, this chart you're referring to is actually part of a chart. Uh, actually, here is part of the chart. Um, I put a chart, a couple of charts in there just to explain how there's been an ebb and a flow throughout the generations mm-hmm. over the last century. Um, so right now we're living at a time, for the first time in modern history, where there are six distinct sociological generations living at the same time. Uh, because people are living longer and staying around and mamas are still having babies. So right now, I want to talk really about what was introduced last week, I think, on all over campus. Yeah. The five generations that are influencing the world as they come of age. So way back here, uh, there's the builder generation, often called the silent generation or the greatest generation, 1929 and 1945. Um, I, what I've done here, Clay, is I've given you kind of a life paradigm, yeah. the perspective they brought with them as they move from backpack to briefcase, right. if you will. So I gave them the life paradigm, be grateful you have a job. Because if you think about it, they grew up in very hard times. Mm. The Great Depression, yep. World War II. My dad is a, my mom and dad are both part of this generation. Mm. My dad was born in 1930. The first 10 years of his life were the Great Depression. The next five, World War II. Mm. So he's frugal, conservative, thrifty. Save the wrapping paper at Christmas time. Save the wrapping paper, you know, all of that stuff. And that was a great, his first green generation coming to America. He's on the show Hoarders. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's awesome. exactly right. His own episode. So the pendulum swings to the other side. Yep. It went from caution to confidence as the baby boomers come around. We talked about them last week. Uh, baby boomers were born between 1946 and 64. The reason we call them boomers is because nine months after World War II was over, the Hello. maternity wards filled right. up. Yes. That's right. So 76 million babies born in that time. And because it was such a large generation, I'm a boomer, we were large and in charge, and we felt entitled to a better life than mom and dad had had. Mm. So I gave us the life paradigm, you owe me. 
Um, in fact, if we think we see entitlement in kids today, there was a dose of it 50 years ago as we came through. So it went from caution to confidence. Now watch it swing back to caution. Yep. After the baby boomers come the baby busters or Generation X, 1965 to 82. I gave them the life paradigm, relate to me. The world was broken again. If you think about it, they grew up during Vietnam, Watergate, mm-hmm. Roe v. Wade. It was just a harder, darker time. Now, and here's another factor. The reason they were first called baby busters before Generation X ever stuck as a title is because their, the first year of their existence was the public introduction of the birth control pill. Oh, so wow. instead of a boom of babies, it was a bust. In fact, wow. if you add on top of that Roe versus Wade, you have a shrinking right. population, not a booming population. So it was a little bit more, we're in the shadows of these boomers and the world's all messed up. Yep. So it was like, give me an authentic relationship. My world's broken. Relate to me. That's good. Um, now, these next two generations are the one, really the focus of our series. The millennials, or Generation Y following X, basically the kids born in the 80s and 90s, some of you in this room, I gave the millennials the life paradigm, life is a cafeteria. And here's why I say like that. Like a, a delicious cafeteria. That's right. Scrumptious right. cafeteria. Okay. Yeah. The reason I say that is if you think about it, and, and you, you understand this, Clay. You yeah. and I met when you were at Georgia Tech, I think. That's right. Um, just like you go to a cafeteria and you yeah. grab a tray and a plate and uh-huh. you go down the line and you kind of make up your own meal tailored for your tastes, these kids are making nearly every major decision of their life as if it were one large buffet, kind of picking and choosing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so think about music. My two kids, both 20-somethings, they stopped buying CDs to get their music years ago. <laughs> OMG, you know. Why would they do that? Uh, there might be five songs they don't like on that seat. They buy I bet one. they love when you say, oh, oh yes, they do. They do. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm cool. I'm still cool. I can yeah, tell. You understand that. Yeah, yeah. We all know that. Yeah. 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 Um, but the point is they buy one song yeah. at a time That's from right. their own playlist on Spotify yeah. or listen iTunes. to uh, uh, 90 seconds of it and then move to the next That's one. right. Yeah. It's picking and choosing. That's right. They'll make educational decisions this way. We've seen this happen. They'll graduate high school and go to three or four different colleges for one degree. One of them's overseas. And what's interesting is in today's higher ed institutions today, they're, they're kind of acquiescing to this mindset. You no longer have to choose a major. You can make up a major. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, we had an intern last year that made up her major. Poetry and clowning. Love it. You know. Clowning? And, clowning. Yeah. I'm just kidding. That wasn't her major. Okay. But it's, it's, what's funny about it is it, we're not necessarily guiding them into what does our economy need or whatever. It's just this is my passion. Yep. It's my passion. So um, once again, and by the way, spiritually speaking, this is coming out. We see it all over the Absolutely. country. Yeah. A little bit of Jesus, a little bit of Buddha, a little bit of Eastern mysticism, a little yeah. bit of New Age. A little, little bit of Oprah. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. very much. That's right. And so it's a mix and match world that yeah. they're yeah, choosing. Now, following the millennials um, come the homelanders or Generation Z. These are the kids really, uh, depending on what social scientists you read after, the kids really that have grown up since the turn of the 21st century. Hmm. And one social scientist calls them the Homelanders because their generation started about the same time as the Department of Homeland Security. So think about the darkness of the last 15 years. The dot-com era, bubble burst, 911 happened. There's been 26,000 terrorist attacks since 911. Uh, A sour economy, recession, unemployment, uh, racial unrest... So much. Would you not agree the last 15 years were a little darker than the previous 15 years where everything was awesome, you know? Right. So I have given Gen Z, the kids like 15 and under, 16 and under, I'm coping and hoping. 
I'm hacking my way through this. I, I love those little tags. That's helpful. Um, so I, I think what everybody is picking up is, that, okay, so the, the right two, the millennials and the homelanders, they're the problem. If everybody could just be more like the first three, <laughs> is that what you're saying? Because that's, that's how I feel. I don't feel that way. But that's yeah. not what you're saying. No, I know that. No, what, no, no. What, what, you're, you're passionate about helping and about being Absolutely. a part of the solution. So yeah, can you no explain why? Yeah. But one phrase I enjoy using, and, and it's true, is... Many adults see youth as the problem. We see them as the solution. Hmm. But with one caveat, if we equip them, this whole series is right up my alley. We've got to equip them, mentor them, coach them to be the people they need to be. So yeah, uh, we focus really on these two generations. We call these two generations Generation I. Why? Because the I world that they've grown up in. And uh, we're just determined to give them the tools they need to become the best version of themselves as they grow into adulthood. I love that, Tim, and I love that about you. And that really is the umbrella for what we're gonna talk about over the next few minutes is um, I've, you, I feel like you have such great content, not just on understanding the context, but also on helping us figure out, okay, so what do I do? Help yeah. me understand, what, what should I do to yeah. be a part of helping the next gen win? Because we really do believe you win if you'll choose to help yeah. the next gen win. Um, you've got, um, there's another graphic that I wanna walk through and spend a, a bit more time on because I love it. But it really, it illustrates what the scene is today. Yeah. It illustrates what, what, what's the context for where we are today, not just for millennials and for homelanders, but for yeah. all of us. So yeah. let's jump into that. Okay, well let, me feed, well, let me give you one line that I think will set it up well. I, I believe we adults haven't, always done a great job. We thought we could just raise our kids the way we did 30 or 40 years ago, and the world is different. Mm -hmm. Um, Think about it for just a minute. This is the first generation of kids that doesn't need adults to get information. Wow. So that's just weird. We used to be the grand brokers of all the data. They needed the teacher because I know and you don't. Well, now, thank you, Google, they don't need you for information, Mm -hmm. but they do need you for interpretation. Let me help you make sense of all that you know. Wow. Let me give context to all the content you got on YouTube. Yeah. So I'm not downing this generation. I'm just saying, uh, we need to lead you better than we've led you, just assuming everything's going to be fine if we just you know, feed you and clothe you and get you out the door. <laughs> right. So you're right. We did put together a couple of columns yeah. called Today's Scene, Our Scene Today. Yeah. And um, I, I'm hoping this will be helpful for all of you. Uh, if you're making mental notes, I'm going to give you two columns On the left-hand column, I'm going to give you five words that um, spell the word scene that aptly describe our world today. Every one of you will immediately say, oh, yes, that's that's our world today. But then off to the right, I'm going to give you the unattended consequences, what might be the assumptions of a kid today since they grew up in this world that we created. So the letter S in scene reminds us that their world is full of speed, Okay. Everything's uh, fast. Everything's fast. Yeah. We, we don't call it Graham. We call it Instagram. You know, everything's <laughs> ATMs, uh, microwave ovens. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But if I grew up in a world of speed, if that's all I've ever known, yeah. I can easily assume that slow is bad. Yeah. I can't even navigate slow. I hate yeah. slow. Anything that takes time, yes. like a career or yeah. Yeah. Uh, an education. That's right. right. It's just hard. They want to v- be VP by 26 sure. years old. And yeah, so, and you, could, you can't blame them, but we fed this world to them that's and right. now they're thinking this. The letter C uh, reminds us that our world is full of convenience. And we all love the modern-day conveniences right. we enjoy. Yeah, I, I can I be not. in line at Starbucks and pay my mortgage and watch a Netflix show yeah. all while I'm standing That's there. That's exactly right. And then I get mad right. when my coffee's not ready. It's That's so true. That's the speed and the convenience That's right. together. That's yeah. right. Yeah, this is in me. Yeah, for sure. but think about it. If you grew up in a world of convenience, everything's a quick click, you can easily assume that hard is bad. Yeah. Now, here's something interesting. The number one phrase that K-12 educators say they hear from students today is, this is too hard. 
This is too hard. They tell their teacher that. Some of you that are teachers, yeah. educators, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. going, yeah. As if to say, I'm on level two of the video game, not level five. Put me down to level two here, you know. So again, it's a natural conclusion. Yeah. I'm not saying every kid, but it's easy yeah. to assume. In fact, I don't think we like hard anymore. Come on. We want it to be easy. That's right. The letter E reminds us their world is full of entertainment. Our world is full of entertainment. Uh, like you just said, if you've got five minutes wait in line, you're pulling out that smartphone, <laughs> checking out you know, Alabama scores or whatever, you know. Yeah, that's right. But if I grew up in a world of entertainment, I can easily assume that boring is bad. Hmm. Now, I don't think teenagers have ever loved boring, but today we're learning something very strategic about boring. Neuroscientists tell us that it's in times of boredom, where we have margins in our calendar, that we develop empathy and creativity. Wow. Think about it. If you're in a world of noise and clutter screaming at you, you're just surviving the week. I just yeah. want to get, I can't care for you. I got to care for me. And I'm thinking, that's not the kids we want to raise. That's not the adults we want running our companies in 20 years. So um, the letter N, certainly not every kid in America, but if you've grown up in middle class or affluent America, they've grown up in a world of nurture. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've wanted to protect them, and we have safety safety seats, safety belts, safety devices. I, quite, I, I often joke with parents in a parent conference, we put helmets on them at dinner time. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a little ridiculous, actually. Um, so if I grew up in a world of nurture, this screams a message right. to them. They can easily assume that risk is bad. Mom doesn't want to take any risk. And now today, this is the most risk-averse generation of university students we've ever measured. Which is always interesting to me because... The millennial generation gets tagged with the idea that they're um, very, very confident and, yeah. I, and, and I demand yeah. to be a boss now and why yeah. can't I have an extra week of vacation? And yeah. some, of the, um, some, of the, some of it is courageous. There, there's yeah, a confidence sure. that, yes. hey, I want to speak my mind and I have an opinion and I matter. Yeah. But it's also coupled with this interesting idea that and yeah. I'm a, yet I'm afraid to risk. Yes. So both w- of those are true? Yeah. They, there are more entrepreneurial spirits within yep. the millennials, but yet they're risk averse. So what I often say is I'm hearing more and more psychologists diagnose when they're seeing mm-hmm. teen clients, high arrogance, low self-esteem. That seems like an oxymoron. How can you be arrogant? Well, there's a super, you know, there's a plat, I got a platform with a lot of likes and shares and views, but deep down, I don't, I don't know if I really got it. So again, this is where mentors come in to say, you have what it takes to be a man. You can do this. I was scared too when I was 21, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. That's great. So, um, and then the last letter, certainly not every kid for sure, but we did this if, we, if it's true. Uh, their world is often full of entitlement. I deserve this just because I'm here. Right. Uh, and if I grew up in a world of entitlement, it's far too easy to assume that labor is bad. <laughs> I shouldn't have to work for this. Right. Well, because well, um, if I've always gotten a trophy, why yeah, should I have to work that's for my right. trophy? Exactly. That well, makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We gave them ribbons and trophies just for putting the fork in the dishwasher. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, Easy, Tim. I, I know. I, I know. But listen, this is a cut down to us. I'm thinking, what were we thinking? Yeah. You know, yeah. they're not. St- I know a nine-year-old little boy that gave the trophy back to his dad after Little League Baseball season. He said, this doesn't mean anything. So they're not stupid. I just wonder if wow. we are. Yeah. Wow. So, um, <laughs> so can that. I say one more thing, Clay, real quick? Yeah, I know you want, you want to keep going, but this, this is, when I scribbled this out on a napkin uh, some time ago, I looked at this list here, slow, hard, boring, risk, and labor, and it dawned on me, if this is true about our world, aren't these the very elements that grow me into a good adult, into a good wow. husband, into a good father, into a good leader? I'm simply saying, I, don't, I love our world. I wouldn't want to be without the high-tech world we live in. But it's taking away the very components that would build me naturally 
uh, with some life skills. Wow. So we have to be more intentional. That's my yeah. only message. Yeah. We've got to be way more intentional than we ever were to build ready adults I love that. for the world that comes. Yeah, yeah, because this is what the world is. This is yeah. where we are. Yeah. And we've got to be intentional about it. Yeah. Um, so I, one, one of the things that you get the, um, the benefit of doing because you're a researcher, because you speak all the time, because you travel and have exposure to different organizations, you get to see some of the common mistakes that yeah. are happening for any of us as employers, as, as bosses or managers, as leaders, as parents, um, as you think about, okay, yeah. so this is the world, mm-hmm. and therefore here are some of the mistakes we yeah. made. Can you tell us what sure, you think absolutely. some of those mistakes are? Whenever we see a challenge with a high school, middle school, or college student, or a young employee, usually one of two extremes, the needle is focused toward one of two extremes, abandonment or abundance. Hmm. The adults in their life did too little or weren't there or the adults in their life did way too much for them. So I, I talked to you about this earlier. We, I got an email from the University of Syracuse, one of the schools we work with. There's a professor that teaches first-year students there. And um, she said, I just handed back the first set of tests to my freshman students, and one of the girls in the class got a C-. Well, she had never, ever gotten a C- in her life up to that point. So she had a meltdown. Oh! right there in class, meltdown, meltdown. So everything stops as this poor girl's really emoting. First thing the girl thinks to do is reaches in her backpack, pulls out a cell phone, and texts mom. Mom makes the mistake of texting back and saying, call me right away. So right there in class, she calls mom. I mean, right there in the middle of class, everything has to stop because cell phone conversations are kind of loud. So she's talking to mom, and if that's not bad enough, she goes, okay, she wants to talk to you. Hands, student hands the phone, phone to the professor. To the professor, so mom can negotiate a B minus out of the C minus. <laughs> now, I wish I could tell you this was an isolated incident. It yeah. happens hundreds of thousands of times every year. I talk to these teachers, and they're going, I don't know what they're thinking. Well, I know what we're thinking. That mama was well-intentioned. Would yeah, you agree? Right. She right. was wanting to take care of her little yeah. girl. What's sad is that little girl, if mama keeps doing that, will need a problem solver for her when she's 25 and 30 and 35 and 40. Mm. When do we say, you can do this, sweetheart. You mm. can do this. Yeah. But we rush in and... Because it's not them. abandonment. It's not no, saying, no. okay, well, then I'm out. It's, it's abundance. That's uh, good. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, and I... So I some of those like, mistakes. Yes. Walk us through those. Okay. You brought so, four. I see you have 12. four huge yes. mistakes. Yeah. That's great. So... Of the 12 huge mistakes that I talk about in the book, and and they're happening from New York to California, and actually Singapore, Germany, England, any industrialized nation, uh, we've worked in 50 countries, we're seeing the same things. Wow. But they're under four umbrellas. And so I'm going to give you these really quickly, rat-a-tat-tat, and then um, you can cringe and throw a rock at me if you want to, whatever (laughs) you'd like to do, okay? So here they are. We risk too little, we rescue too quickly, we rave too easily, and we reward too frequently. Wow. Now, certainly not in every case. In fact, sometimes kids are not getting this. But if you're an intentional parent, if you're a caring parent, you've got them in soccer practice and violin lessons and everything else. Or a boss. Or a boss, yeah, that we're trying to onboard them into a new, new world. So real quick, let me just take a 10 yep. seconds on each. Uh, we risk too little. This is a day of adults where we are so afraid for our children. We've seen pictures of children on the milk cartons as they were growing mm-hmm. up. So we put baby on board signs at the back of the minivan. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we just, we took the monkey bars off the, you know, playground because they might fall off. <laughs> so um, it's well-intentioned. Every move we made was well-intentioned. But here's what's interesting. Let's talk, let's talk about those monkey bars. You've probably seen a playground without something dangerous like monkey bars. 
Psychologists started writing articles immediately when that started happening, wow. the taking off them. And they were saying, wait, 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 mom and dad, you do realize, don't you, that the same motor skills they're going to develop as they navigate the monkey bars, they're going to need in their 20s as they move out of the house. Did I mention move out of the house? As they move out of the house. <laughs> Did you say as move they, out of the house? Yeah, yeah. As they ask someone to marry them, right, as they right. negotiate a, a job. Right. So we weren't think we were making them happy now and safe yeah. now. We weren't thinking about later. Uh, rescue too quickly, far too often. It's well intentioned, but a child forgets the backpack or the child forgets their permission slip, mm-hmm. and we rush it right down. Uh, rather than saying, "Sweetheart, you know you forgot that, and you'll mm-hmm. need to learn to problem solve right now." That seems like I'm a bad parent. I actually think that's a great parent. In love, in love, in love. Not out of, I don't care, but saying. In fact, um, there's a really great mom in East Texas. Uh, She's a friend of our our organization. And her daughter um, forgot her permission slip one time. And she goes, Mom, if I don't have a permission slip, I'm going to have to run laps around the gym. And her mother said, sweetheart, you know I love you. You can use the exercise, you know? That's, that's, <laughs> and and what's, what's amazing is that was good parenting, I think. Some of you need to put that quote and hang it yeah. somewhere you can see it. <laughs> yeah. You know I love you. You could use, use the, the exercise. exercise. So that's right. Yeah. Don't say it to your spouse yeah. or your significant yeah, other. <laughs> yeah, that would be an end to life <laughs> as we right. know it. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Um, we rave too easily. All I mean by this is we are a generation that's committed to the self-esteem of our children. I totally agree. No one could believe in encouraging kids. I tried to encourage my kids, still do. However, self-esteem doesn't grow just through saying, you're awesome, you're awesome, you're awesome. Mm-hmm. It happens through affirmation and achievement. So we need to let them achieve. Wow. I, I, I feel like an, an emasculated man if my mom and dad don't let me do what men do. Mm-hmm. So we met well, but... Yeah, and then finally reward too frequently. It's the trophies you mentioned earlier just for participation. I think that works at five years old. I don't think it works at eight or nine years old. Hmm. And again, I feel like we've got to think long-term, how is this going to play out in their, in their development? Yeah. I know um, a lot of you are parents, and so you, you naturally contextualize this in the world of parenting. Some of you are, you, you, you're at your place of employment. You have people that work around you. For some of you, though, you're not a parent, and you're thinking, well, how does this matter to me? Maybe for you, this is something that you could encourage the people around you. Maybe you're an aunt. Maybe you're an uncle. Maybe you have... Uh, maybe you're a mentor at one yeah. of the elementary yes. schools we work with. I think these are all mistakes that all of us can avoid. And I think it does make sense, Tim, that if we could avoid these, and yeah. these are just four of them, which I love. Yeah. If we could avoid these, it does seem like it would go a long way in helping the next gen yeah. win. This is counterintuitive. Of course, we don't want the you know, risk. Of course, sure. we can. But, but it's thinking long term. Uh, in fact, I love this phrase. Um, yeah. We've got to prepare the child for the path not the path for the child. Wow. Uh, so um, it's just thinking long-term. Wow. And again, we talk to lots of HR executives, <laughs> right. and uh, they'll say, I am getting young employees recently out of college. I'm not sure how mom and dad, I don't know, I don't know what they said to them. For instance, you yeah. and I were talking about this yeah, before. I love this story. A major Fortune 100 company right here in Atlanta just talked to me, and the HR executive said, Tim, I thought this might be an anomaly, but it's happened six times in the last two months. She said, we just handed a job offer to a recently minted college graduate, and the young employee said, thank you, but now my parents need to interview you to make sure you're a suitable boss for me. So, yeah. So, uh, needless to say, none of those six got the job, and, and mama sabotaged it. 
So uh, right now, the latest number I got, and it's 24 months old, but one out of eight millennials now brings their parent to the job interview. So um, now, mom and dad, I blame you. I don't blame them. If we're creating a world where you need me, but think about the, think about the message that screams, I'll do it for you. Let me put my Superman cape on. I'll save you. And now they're thinking, I don't think I can do it. Well, I don't want my kids to think they can't do it when they're 30 years old and they're on their own. I want them to be, my greatest reward is they can do it without me. Wow. So, yeah. Um, you, you've got another statement that I love about being able to see far out. Can you introduce that one? Yeah. This uh, is, a, is a great truth. Um, it's a statement that basically says, the further out I can see mm-hmm. into the future, the better the decisions we make for the next generation. Uh, yeah, there it, is. there it is. The further out I can see, the better the decision. So I would just encourage you, employers, parents, uncles and aunts, coaches, think long term. Does this decision I'm making right now for my 7-year-old, 17-year-old, 27-year-old, does this help them down the road that is really so navigate life? The reason why it's so helpful, Tim, is because, and we've got little kids. We've got a seven, a five, a three, and a one-year-old. And yes, we know how that happens. And um, (laughs) when you're making a decision to try to help them and do something for them, it really does feel, in the short term, in the immediate, it feels like love. And and it is love. It's motivated Mm -hmm. with good intentions. This helps, though, because thinking with the end in mind, thinking about where do I want them in 15 years, just... It, it helps uh, sift through some of the confusion of the decisions that we make in the it moment. It really does. And, of course, we want to do things for them. Sometimes I think we think, well, it's just easier to, do the, to clean up the room myself. Mm-hmm. And it is. But is it better to clean up the room? Not in the long run. So, yeah, I, I just feel like we've got to be thinking long term and put up with a little bit of mess, messes as they learn yeah. to tie their shoe, clean their room, yeah. etc. Yeah. And then later they're, they're better for it. That's yeah. helpful. Whether, whether you are uh, an employer, whether, whether you're uh, a parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, I hope this helps you. Um, so, Tim, here, here's um, what I want to do as we wrap this up. Um, in, in the last chapter of the 12 Mistakes book, um, that you, you give 10 shifts. 10 yeah. shifts. You have to make sure to pronunciate that word very well. Yeah, that's right. And I love, I love these shifts because... <laughs> They are helpful. It's to do. I mean, it's okay. So what do I do? So what? So what can I actually grab onto if I'm going to really uh, try to see further out into the future? Um, what, what we've done is, is I've asked him to just pick a couple of them, but I would love for you to just walk us through a sure. couple of the things yeah. we can do to begin to lead the next generation well, to, to help them win. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this was really sparked when our kids were young teens. Uh, I'll share this real briefly. We my wife and I both have, have loved being parents, mm-hmm. and I love being a trainer, a teacher, a coach, but um, we knew that we needed to create a rite of passage for our kids when they were younger to kind of help them see I'm moving from girlhood to womanhood, boyhood to manhood. So very rapidly, this was a wonderful um, gift that North Point really gave to us in many ways. I sat down with my daughter 15 years ago when she was 13 and said, um, in the next several years, you're going to go through a lot of changes. Your body's going to change. Your view of boys are going to change. Your view of us as your parents are going to change. So that night, about 9 o'clock at the kitchen table, we chose together six women that would be one-day mentors for our daughter that next year. Women that we thought were really wonderful role models and women that she thought were really cool ladies. Well, it didn't take us 10 minutes to pick six ladies. I called them all up the next day, and I said, this is going to sound crazy, but would you be a one-day mentor for Bethany 
this next year. Just pick a day in the next 365 days. And the only thing I ask of you is let her shadow you. If you go to work, take her to work. Put her to work if you want to. Uh, (laughs) Keep her at home. But I said, along the course of the day, would you just share one life message with our daughter? A message you wish you would have heard when you were 13 and nobody ever shared it with you. Well, I won't go into all of them, but these ladies went beyond my wildest Mm. imaginations. Uh, They all had different messages that I did not script. Uh, I'll just tell you the first one real quick. Uh, Sarah was the very first one. Sarah is an RN. She works in the maternity ward at the local hospital. She took our little eighth grade girl, took her into the maternity ward, and Bethany was helping women give birth to babies between nine and three that day. <laughs> yeah. C-section, natural birth. She saw it all. That, that's birth control. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it was incredible. And then at, at three o'clock, Sarah took her out of the maternity yep. ward, took her into another room of the hospital where Bethany sat into, in a class that she taught for unwed mothers. Wow. So Bethany sat amidst a bunch of other 13, 14-year-old girls that were pregnant and probably wow. shouldn't be. Well, at the end of the day, over dinner, Sarah's life message for Bethany mm. was on sexual purity and abstinence and waiting for the right man that God brings you rather than just wow. engaging. Well, that message got through loud and clear that particular day of her <laughs> life, you know. Much better than my lecture on the subject, and I've, I've got a great lecture. So anyway, all that to say... Um, these, these are real quick changes that along the course of our kids' teen yeah. years, I started coming up with. Um, number one, don't think control, think connect. I think when things go awry in the home or on the job, we grown-ups, we adults, want to control. We want to seize control. Let me just control this situation. Well, you all know that control is a myth. We really don't have control of their attitudes as teenagers or whatever. But you know what we do have? Our connection to them. So this is something that we can do. Seek a heart connection. Spend time. Listen. Ask questions. Because I think if I get this, I don't get control, but I have a much deeper sense of influence if I've sought heart connection. Which I I love this because one one of my fears with this series is that we would have an army of people leaving our churches going, okay, we're going to go help the next gen win, but we're going to tell them what to do, and we're going to go try to say, hey, you got to clean this up and fix this. And that's not the heart of this. The heart of this is, hey, every one of us has a, a, a... some influence. We, we, every one of us has a measure of yeah. opportunity and influence with the yeah. next generation. And we just want you to leverage your time and your gifts and your talents and your experience, yeah. not to try to control someone, but to yeah. try to connect with them and say, I've got a responsibility yeah. to try to help you win. There is a teacher in the metro Atlanta area that actually has a section of her class time every week called, in case your parents haven't told you this yet, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> And it's because she's neat. She's realized I got to do some stuff that should be happening at the dinner table because mom and dad are too busy or we got soccer practice and we're not really connecting. So this is huge. Spend time eating meals together and connect. The second one uh, is don't think rules, think equations. In our house growing up, we had very few rules, probably three, maybe four at the most. But we had a lot of equations. Now, you know what an equation is. If you do this, that's the benefit. If you do that, this is the consequence. Would you not agree? Life's about equations. Yeah. Try not paying your mortgage this month. It's, it's an equation you know, right. that you'll have. So we believe early on when the stakes are low, show them the equations of life. And so we didn't have to rant and rave and yell and scream. We'd say, oh, that wasn't a good equation you picked. Give me your phone. You know, what? You know, but it was, it was really about saying you're getting ready at 7 or 17 for what you're going to face at 37, and you're going to be so, so ready when it happens. So think equations. Show them equations in life from ground zero on. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then the last one, number three, um, 
don't think lecture, think lab. If you went to college, remember science class had two parts, the lecture and the lab? I think these kids have a lot of lectures. I don't think we have a lot of labs for them. Remember what a lab is? It's a safe place to experiment in. Mm. We need to give them places they can try serving. They can try their gifts and talents. They can meet mentors like, you know, we did, uh, where they can just meet somebody that's not their parent that can say, here's what I would do if I were you. So create safe places to meet people, do things, serve the homeless, uh, go on mission trips. All those are helpful experiences that work far better than than the lecture itself. Um, you, you, there was a passage of scripture that when we talked about this that you pointed to yeah. that I thought was a great way to end our conversation. Um, so would you introduce that and yeah. just um, give us your he, final thoughts. So, okay. so here's, here's my uh, mantra, here's my speech, here's yeah. my lecture yeah. to those of you who are trying to help the next gen win. Well, it's interesting. In the book of First Chronicles, which really is a book about chronicling the clans and tribes of Israel, one particular tribe is, is, as you said, teased out. And it's very interesting. In verse 32 of 1 Chronicles chapter 12, it said, The sons of Issachar were men who understood the times. And then he didn't stop there. With the knowledge of what Israel should do. Hmm. That's been my prayer for today. God, help us understand the times that we're in. And show us what we should do as we get the next gen ready for, for leading. So um, I believe that's, just, that's a passage I've memorized and to have committed to it every day of my life. Because so. it matters. I mean, it, yeah. it, it matters yeah. so deeply, not just for the next gen. I mean, we, obviously, all of us would agree that we want the world to be better for people coming along behind us. But honestly, the heart of this is that for you and for me and for Tim and for every one of us, your life will be better spent. You will be happier. You will be more joy-filled. You will have more contentment and satisfaction in life if you would choose to leverage what you have, the experience that you have, the mistakes you've made to try to help someone who's coming along behind you. If you're a follower of Jesus, uh, this is not just a, hey, go have fun with this. This is a responsibility that God has given us to pass on to the next gen. To mentor them. To mentor them. Go get coffee and tell each other stories. That's right. Yeah. So we, we hope that you'll participate in this. If you want to get in touch with Tim or even follow some of um, what they do at Growing Leaders, I think we've got your website perhaps up yeah. here. Here it is, growingleaders.com yeah. forward and, slash blog. Yeah. I do a blog three times a week and you don't have to sign up, but if you'd like, we, we talk about these kinds of things all the time, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, or then get it once a week on Saturday uh, as a digest, but it's growingleaders.com dash front slash blog. And would love to just continue to uh, motivate you and inspire you to keep pouring into the well, next gen. Yeah. I feel so, uh, our churches are so fortunate that we have such amazing people involved in yeah, our church. Absolutely. And Tim's just a, a guy that he, he's a part of our church, just like so many of you are. So, um, Tim, I would love it if you would, as we conclude today. Would you mind praying for us? And then um, we'll dismiss for the day. Sounds good. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we're still around and old enough now to have someone behind us. Many of us are parents or aunts or uncles or friends or employers or coaches or teachers. God, I pray that you would cause us to be consumed with helping equip the next generation. God, if we feel like we're kind of isolated, we really don't have anybody next to us, show us, bring them across our path. And um, help us, God, to keep our antennas up to see who might be near us that's just a touch younger that could benefit from 
what we have learned. Mm -hmm. Help us, God, to listen as well as lecture. Um, And I just pray now there will be an incredible connection happening between the generations from this day forward. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.